You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans, for Auburn fans. War Eagle Auburn family, and welcome back to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion here on the E2C Network. On this episode, we're going to be breaking down the latest Auburn men's basketball game, the news that has happened since our last episode, and taking a look forward at the SEC schedule that's about to begin for the 2020-2021 Auburn men's basketball squad. I am your host, Kyle Loomis, joining you once again, and I appreciate you tuning in for yet another episode in a very exciting season, albeit one that ultimately won't amount to much because this is a year where they will be sitting out of postseason competition. Doesn't mean we still can't have fun with some Auburn basketball, and this team is worthy of paying attention to for how talented they are and how fun they are to watch, especially as we've seen so far in non-conference play. So as we conclude non-conference play, and let's just touch on it very quickly, we did not do a specific episode about the last game against App State, but I figured we'd mention here the very beginning as we move into our discussion about the opening up of SEC play, which is the crux of our matter here. Auburn did win 67-53, to pushing their overall record to 6-2 and on the year, and that's a pretty decent non-conference considering who they played with a bit of a, a loss that was probably not expected in the form of UCF down in Orlando earlier in the non-conference competition. But all in all, there's not too much to complain about with a brand new team with young talent who's learning to play in a weird COVID-19 year. So that concludes non-conference play. And the main things from this game is that Auburn kind of let App State hang around a little bit, but eventually pulled away from them. Kind of some things that you'd expect from a young inexperienced team that's learning to play together a couple program notes and things surrounding the program that have come out since then a lot of it actually and i think this is probably the more interesting things no offense to app state uh, but more interesting to talk about than our game with them uh, regular season nba action has kicked off chumo kiki isaac Okoro, and jared harper have been seen in action and they are doing very well for the most part bryce brown who was with the new york knicks along with Jared Harper has been since waived, unless that's changed since then, and I missed that. Uh, but uh, you will see currently three players in the NBA, and if you are not paying attention to them, you should, because they are doing very well. That's, it's nice to finally have an Auburn Tiger to cheer for on a prominent level in the NBA once again. Not just one, but multiple of them as well. A couple of roster notes here for the Auburn men's basketball team as well. Turbo, or Tyrell Jones, has decided to step away from the program, and honestly, this is not really that unexpected. Tyrell started out as the starter for Auburn at point guard in Lua Sharif Cooper, having to sit out for a little while, and as of this moment, still sitting out as of recording this podcast. 
Um, but since then, Justin Powell has stormed onto the scene and seized the opportunity, thus kind of forcing Turbo into less and less of a role, especially when there were some struggles that he was having on. And we saw this same thing last year where he had a few struggles and didn't see, saw less and less time. And eventually it was basically non-existent. And that kind of happened again this year. And I don't know the circumstances surrounding it. I do find it interesting that he went from basically being the starter to basically never seeing the floor. But I'm not saying that there was something going on in the background, but obviously it was not a good fit for him here at Auburn anymore. And I'm happy that he's going to go seek other opportunities elsewhere. The good thing, though, is that it seemed like Auburn was kind of expecting this. Coach Pearl had been preparing for this, was happy with what he was seeing from Justin Powell using Alan Flanagan in a point guard role as well seemed to be working. So that's another kind of depth in that area, even though that's shifting people around. The other interesting fact about this is that Sharif Cooper has now been seen back on the bench and has been seen practicing and warming up with the team before the games. So that's a positive sign. He went from literally sitting in the stands behind the goals during games to sitting with the actual team on the bench back there. So I don't know what that means. It could just mean that he still just sits out the rest of the year but can now sit with the team and participate with them. Uh, Who knows at this point? But I got to think that it's a positive sign that if Coach and Turbo felt it necessary for them to part ways because you would think that they would try to keep him around for depth purposes even if he wasn't the answer at the point guard position. So maybe that tells you a little bit of optimism can be expected in the Sharif Cooper situation. But either way, I do think Justin Powell and Alan Flanagan will be able to handle this year at the point guard spot, whether that happens or not. So that's the news and notes from around the program. The last game, again, Auburn does finish non-conference play at 6-2 and two on the year. Let's talk about some SEC schedule action now. The first thing that I thought we should do was actually walk through the standings of the SEC as it currently uh, stands with non-conference play for all the different teams. And it's quite interesting, i got to be honest with you. Uh, Some crazy things have happened, and it's already been crazy enough with COVID-19 restrictions and postponements and cancellations and schedule changes. And this team's played nine games or eight games, and this team played three games. I mean, it is just a wild and crazy season thus far in terms of just looking at the SEC standing. So let's take a look at it. Up at the top, the Arkansas Razorbacks sit alone at 8-0 and on the year, followed by the Georgia Bulldogs at 7-0. and Now, what we're going to do in a second is look at each of these programs and maybe talk about what to expect from what we saw in non-conference play. I think that 8-0 and and 7-0 and is a little bit misleading for both Arkansas and Georgia, and I'm not saying that they're bad teams, and you'll actually probably hear a little bit about my confidence levels at the very end of this episode, so stay tuned for that for each of those games. But I do think it's a little bit misleading. Here's what I'm not surprised by, though. At 6-0 on the year is number 12, the Missouri Tigers, and number 7, Tennessee Volunteers, tied. And I really think, honestly, if we're all just kind of taking a step back here, comparing the resumes of both the programs uh, that are 6-0 and and then the two programs that are 8-0 and 7-0, it's much more impressive for the two 6-0, especially with their ranking. I think that's why the ranking reflects that. So the standings right now probably can't be trusted a whole lot uh, for non-conference play, but it gives you a good perspective of where teams might be at. This is followed by LSU, Ole Miss, and Texas A&M all tied at 5-1. and one. Then it would be, and also I, sh- I should have said as well, 
Uh, I, I did I did mention Texas A&M, but then it would be our Auburn Tigers at six and two on the year. And this is where things just get kind of crazy at the very back half of this uh, standings for the S, uh, Southeastern Conference. The Florida Gators at three and one, only playing four games in non-conference competition. Vanderbilt at four and two. The Alabama Crimson Tide at five and three, and the Mississippi State Bulldogs as well at five and three. The South Carolina Gamecocks with a measly three games played. You heard me right. Three games played. They are dead last, and most of you at this point are asking, Kyle, what about the Kentucky Wildcats? Ladies and gentlemen, if 2020 was not weirded for you enough, I present to you the 1-6 Kentucky Wildcats. Let that sink in. The 1-6 Kentucky Wildcats. Now, as we'll talk about in just a second, they have had probably the hardest schedule of anybody, and they have the talent to probably not go 1-6, but something is not working in this year of 2020 for them, like most of us for that matter. It's just the icing on the cake right now to see that in 2020, the Kentucky Wildcats are 1-6. Now, what I've laid out here is something similar to what we did last year when we did an SEC schedule preview show uh, for the 2019-2020 season. And we'll start off with Auburn as well, um, as we did last year, and then walk through each of the teams that we'll see in the order that we'll see them, obviously not accounting for the uh, game twos that we'll have with several of these teams, but just the order in which we'll see them. And at the end of that, then I'll give you my confidence level for each game of the conference competition and see how confident I'm feeling this team uh, for this team this year. Uh, obviously, with Auburn 6-2 and two on the year, their signature wins, if we were going to be able to compete in non-conference play, would be Memphis and St. Joe's. Those are two very impressive wins, and I would say that Auburn um, would definitely, based off of that, if they were able to ha- take care of business in conference play, get a, a win over a superior opponent, uh, maybe even a couple of really solid road wins, would find themselves very firmly in the um, March Madness this season, but alas, that will not happen. And, you know, I just want to bring this up. I always like to talk about the bad losses because I think that gives you more of a idea of where a program is at as opposed to just a loss to a a team they should have lost to. Um, But I I do think it's important to note that Auburn did take on the number one team in the land in Gonzaga, and they look like the number one team in the land um, and and did lose in a, uh, we'll call it an invitational, I think is what it was called down there. Um, in Fort Myers. Um, so just something to note to keep in mind. The thing that was troubling for us at the beginning of the season was that loss to UCF and at UCF in Orlando. And I think that's where a few people got worried on the year, but you have to take a step back. And remember, this is a young team with inexperience, trying to figure out how to work together while they're working without their star point guard, rotating people around so you're going to have a few bumps along the road so all things considered at six and two i'm very pleased with where auburn is currently at at this moment before we start sec play arkansas eight and oh their signature wins at least and these are all in my opinion just just remember that would be north texas and they don't really have a and they have no losses obviously so there's nothing really to talk about there they do have one postponement against tulsa and personally had they gotten the win against tulsa I would have moved that up into their quote-unquote signature win column, making them look a little bit more legitimate. So I don't really know what to think about Arkansas at this point. I know they're talented, but I just don't see that reflected in their schedule thus far. Texas A&M at 5-1. Uh, their signature win would be New Orleans University. 
And then their worst loss, and it's not even a worst loss, it's TCU. It's a pretty solid Big 12 team. Nothing really to write home about. They don't have any postponements or cancellations that I noted on there. They just played six teams total in non-conference play. Ole Miss, 5-1. and one. Their signature win would be at Middle Tennessee State. Uh, so anytime you can go on the road and beat a solid program, that does look good for you. Uh, and um, no, no really bad losses to note for them on their schedule thus far. So another team that kind of falls in that category where I kind of lean in Auburn saver just because I have my orange and blue glasses on all the time, but still don't know what to make of them. But here's the other thing. They have a lot of cancellations. They were supposed to play Memphis. Uh, they were supposed to, they did actually end up making up Central Arkansas and Jackson State and getting wins there, but those aren't really teams that you would not expect them to be, right? Uh, but I think had they been able to play Memphis and beat them, it would be a common opponent with Auburn as well. So we'd probably have a really good perspective at that point where Auburn and Ole Miss meet in terms of who probably would be favored in that competition there. So I really hate that that wasn't able to happen for a common opponent analysis. Then the Alabama Crimson Tide over in Tuscaloosaville, five and three. Their best win, on my, in my opinion, of the non-conference play would be against Providence. Here's the funny thing, is that all their losses were at home. One to Stanford, and technically I should, let me clarify, the one to Clemson, they were the home team in an Atlanta tournament. It was the same thing that Auburn was part of where they played uh, Memphis. So home team for all these games, but they lost to Stanford at home, and then they lost to Western Kentucky at home. Now, if you're a basketball huge fan, you know Western Kentucky has been a program that's been kind of hot and cold at times, but it's been pretty, I won't call them hot, but warm lately. So it's not like the worst win, but you shouldn't win to or lose to Western Kentucky at home in your own arena. That just doesn't happen, and we had a lot of fun with that one a couple of weeks ago. So it's always fun to watch the rivals lose to teams that they shouldn't, especially when they're supposed to be back. I haven't seen them get back just yet. Uh, Georgia at 7-0 and on the year. This one is a team that I kind of like start turning my head at a little bit because their signature win would be against Cincinnati, and they're undefeated currently. So not really, um, again, a humongously good schedule to look at, even though they're 7-0. and But that Cincy win, I'm a little bit impressed by personally. They did have a canceled game against Columbus State. Probably would have won that one, so nothing really to worry about with a cancellation or postponement there. Then we'll get to the Kentucky Wildcats, as we talked about. Let me say it again. Kentucky is 1-6. Repeat it. Kentucky is 1-6. Uh, their signature win on the year, if you want to call it signature win, <laughs> Moorhead State. Uh, they have lost to everybody um, at home except for all but Richmond at home. Uh, I mean, how do you lose to Richmond if you're a Kentucky program? This is just, just weird to think about. Uh, they have a canceled and post whichever way you want to phrase it game against Detroit, and their first game against South Carolina is postponed as well. Uh, so I would imagine they're going to have to make that one up at some point. Don't know when, don't know how that's going to happen, but I think they're going to make that a priority to be made up at some point down the road. But when Moorhead State as a Kentucky program is your signature win, you really have to start thinking about what is going wrong, especially with the level of talent that they possess there in Lexington. Speaking of South Carolina, they also will have a postponed first SEC game against Kentucky, as we just talked about. Their signature win would be against Tulsa. Now, they are only at 1-2 and two on the year, and they lost to Liberty at home 
a little troublesome. Liberty's been a program that's made the the tournament at the end of the year a couple times now, so they're probably getting better. They need to be respected. However, I don't think you should be losing to Liberty at home. Even when you can't have your stadium filled and have the crowd highly, highly in your favor, you shouldn't lose to Liberty at home, especially with a Frank Martin coach team. That was the big surprising thing here to me. So my, my gut wants me to just kind of dismiss South Carolina at this point, but it's Frank Martin. He's a good basketball coach, and I highly, highly respect him. So I kind of just have to step, take a step back for a second and try to maybe think if I had a bigger body of work to look at with South Carolina, maybe I wouldn't feel the same way. Hey, Auburn family, we're going to take a quick breather from this episode to bring you an important message. One of the most well-known things about Auburn fans is how loyal they are, and we show that loyalty by the colors that we wear. Let us help you stock up on those colors by going over to our tpublic.com store. There you'll find a variety of merchandise geared towards designs based on E2C Network and Auburn content. While TeePublic is known for their t-shirts, they have a wide selection of merchandise options for you to select one of these designs to be put on. They also have other types of apparel, stickers, mugs, and much more. Here's the beauty of it. Your purchase will help support this network and the content that we regularly produce. The purchase will also go to support independent artists who put a lot of hard work into designing these concepts, especially for you, the Auburn family. And did I mention that they regularly have sales? T-shirts for $13? You have to be kidding me. If you're ready to explore your purchase options, head on over to tpublic.com slash store slash E2C Network. You can also get there by going to our website at e2cnetwork.com slash support. Now that you've got some options to suit up for game day, let's head back into this episode. Probably almost as big a surprise here, and it's not big a surprise, but just the fact that they're doing as well as they are, 6-0, number 12, Missouri. Now, honestly, when I look at this team as it stands right now, they are by far, in my opinion, the most impressive in the SEC. Um, six games that they have played, their signature wins are against number 6, Illinois, and number 21, Oregon. So that's two ranked opponents, one from the Pac-12 and one from the Big Ten. Two highly respected conferences in basketball play, and they're undefeated. That right there shows to me that Missouri is for real and should be feared this year. Could it all been just luck and fluke because of the way things have worked out in this weird COVID-19 season? Of course. But right now, with what we have to work with, respect goes to the Missouri Tigers, and I'm very very afraid of them right now. Uh, they did have a canceled game against Prairie View A&M. Most likely would have won that. Really nothing of note to to mention because of that cancellation. Vandy at 4-2 and two on the year. Uh, if, I don't really have a signature win. The best thing that I could come up with is Radford because I've talked about them uh, recently in March Madness the past couple of seasons. Their worst loss. They are another one that lost to Richmond at home. Uh, Richmond is taking names this year. And I do remember that they gave us a tough time last year. I do remember that. Uh, So it's not like Richmond's a bad team, but it's just one of those teams I don't think that an SEC team should be losing to at home, much less at all. Uh, They have canceled games against UConn, North Carolina Central, and SMU. Had they been able to play SMU and get the win, that probably would be a very impressive win for them. And I would throw UConn in there as well, um, even though UConn has been very down over the last couple of seasons. Mississippi State, 5-3. and three. Their signature win would be North Texas. Not a great 
program, but a decent program. Their worst loss, another common loss for SEC opponents here for us, uh, against Liberty at home. Liberty and Richmond are just giving SEC team fits on, uh, at home this uh, non-conference season. LSU at 5-1. and one. Their best win is against Louisiana Tech. They have postponed games against South Florida, New Orleans, North Texas, and they don't really have a bad loss on their schedule that I would call significant enough to talk about, even at 5-1. and one. Um, So really not convinced with where LSU is sitting at right now, but you always kind of have to respect them with the talent that they pull in. Same kind of case for Florida here, but they've only played four games at 3-1. and one. Their best win is against Boston College, so pretty respectable there. No bad losses. Postponements against North Florida, uh, Florida Atlantic, and Florida A&M, all teams they should have beaten. So it's kind of like, uh, even though they didn't play those three games, they probably would have won them at best. Their tune-up games, get it, letting them get things figured out in their lineup uh, with a win against Boston College, I probably give them respect with the type of talent that they come pulled in. And then there's Tennessee at number seven on paper, Looks like the best team in the SEC, especially with their ranking. 6-0, just like Missouri. Their signature wins would be against Colorado, Cincy, and St. Joe's. Common opponent there for Auburn and uh, Tennessee. And based on how they both performed against St. Joe's, Tennessee does look like the better team at this point. Because Auburn uh, struggled to get away from St. Joe's and did get the win, whereas Tennessee rolled over them. So no losses for them. They had cancellations with Charlotte, Notre Dame, and Tennessee Martin. So that is how the SEC has shaken out in non-conference play. Now it's time to walk through the schedule and give you my confidence and prediction for how Auburn will do this year. In summary, there are 18 games in conference play, barring any postponements, cancellations, of which there's already been one with uh, South Carolina, Kentucky. Obviously doesn't affect Auburn at this point, uh, but If something like that changes, obviously there won't be 18 games. But as of now, that is what we will walk through. And I will give you a confidence prediction resulting in a predicted record for Auburn in SEC play. So for the first game against Arkansas at home, I'm going to set that one at 60%. Just like I talked about here, even with them undefeated, I'm not really certain that they're that should be that feared at this point. So I'm going to set that one, especially at home, at 60% with Auburn highly, uh, highly likely to get the win there. Texas A&M on the road. If this was a game at home, I'd probably put this even higher in favor of Auburn, but I'm going to say 60% as well here for the second game, even on the road against the Aggies. Then we go to Ole Miss and Oxford. Not really impressed with what they've done in non-conference play, so even on the road, I'm going to rank that as a 70% confidence for Auburn to get the win. And look, we can respect rivals all we want for the fourth game here with Alabama. I get it, and here's the thing, it's at home. We're not really here to celebrate the Iron Bowl this year as we traditionally do in this matchup of the basketball game. That's going to happen, unfortunately, at the end of the year for them. Uh, but this will probably be a big recruiting weekend for a brand new instilled staff uh, for the football team, and they will use it probably to their advantage there. I would suspect, barring regulations and distancing and all that stuff, they might feature the new head coach Brian Harson there as well. So I think this is a game where you'll see probably a little bit more hype, even with lower crowd numbers. Basically no one there, if we're completely honest. So I'm going to set this one at a 75%, probably get just taking a shot at Alabama there a little bit there. But I do think Auburn gets the win, but I'm comfortable with that 75% 
uh, confidence that we'll win. Here is where I think is potential for us to take our first loss in the fifth game at Georgia. 45%. I think they're a respectable program, and I do think that they um, had the potential, especially at home, to get a win against Auburn. So I'm going to set that at 45%. Kentucky. Oh, Kentucky. I so bad want to disrespect you at 1-6, and six, but I know the type of talent that is there. So even with this being at home, I should be able to look at that record and say, this is a slam dunk win for Auburn, but I'm still only going to set this at a 55%. Just because it's Kentucky and the respect that I have for their program. I think Auburn does get the win and maybe does blow them out of the water like a lot of other teams have done. (laughs) But I just can't force myself to predict a 60, 70, 80% chance that Auburn uh, beats a Kentucky, even at home, even against a beleaguered um, Lexington team right now. Uh, Next game would be at Arkansas. So it'll be our first uh, second game of the year. Um, and then in Fayetteville, I'm going to say 40% chance of winning this one. I think that even though I don't know a lot about them, I know the type of talent they have there when they go on the road. This Auburn tends to, against Bruce Pearl teams, about midseason go into a little bit of a slump. And I think if you were to look at my confidence levels, that kind of reflects that here, uh, where they either lose a couple games or almost lose a couple games. So I do think on the road, Against Arkansas and Fayetteville, 40% chance that I think Auburn wins this one or wins this one. Followed by a trip to Columbia, South Carolina, where I'm gonna put uh, 55% because it is a Frank Martin team, very well coached. They can recruit very well, and uh, it will be on the road for Auburn with a young team. So I do think they can get the win. It will be very tough to do so. So I'm gonna say 55%. Then we get to Missouri, our first on paper big challenge of the year. This is at home. I would think that obviously that plays in our favor, but if they are as good as they look on paper and the eye test, I do think that it is not in Auburn's favor to win this game. The only reason I'm putting it at 45% confidence is because it is at home. This is probably closer to 35% the way that Missouri is currently looking and playing at this point. Next up, our second game against Georgia at home. Uh, even with them being a respectable program and Tom Crean, I'm going to say 60% for Auburn. They do get the win. Followed by a third game at home in conference play. Now, just remember, there is a Big 12 SEC challenge that's supposed to happen in between that. We'll see if it actually does, and that may factor into all this stuff at this point in terms of how Auburn performs. But I'm going to say 75% that Auburn beats Mississippi at home um, in their second game against them that on this uh, conference play. Next up, we'll be heading to Vanderbilt to the most atrocious, and I do mean atrocious, I'm looking at you, Clint Richardson, uh, arena in all of college basketball. Uh, I'm going to set 80%. Uh, That's probably reaching a little bit there, especially on the road, Uh, but I just haven't seen enough out of a Vanderbilt program that has been looking to rebound after kind of a a rebuild the last couple of seasons. So I'm going to say 80% even on the road that Auburn gets the win. Then we head up to Lexington, Kentucky. Same kind of rationale for this second game against them in conference play for 2020-2021. I've got to respect them even as bad as they've looked, and I'm going to say 50% chance that Auburn wins this one. So that's a push. And I think what I'll do, just to be honest, is in a push situation, I will push it in favor of Auburn just because I have my orange and blue glasses on. So that will it will reflect that way in my final – predictions for the conference record 
Mississippi State's up next at home, 60% for me. Not really much to um, explain that one just because it's on, on the uh, home court and because don't really know what to think about Mississippi State at this point with the record so far and who they've played. At LSU is next. It's going to be tough to go down to Baton Rouge with a talented program and a coach that likes to bend the rules, so to speak. Uh, 55% though that I think Auburn can go down there and get an impressive win against LSU um, on the road. Next up is going to be Florida at home. I have a stinky suspicion that Florida is going to look a lot better as conference play goes on. And and I I think they will look very good, honestly. And we'll be having a conversation of Florida, Tennessee, maybe if Missouri is legit, who is the best out of the SEC at this point. So I'm going to say 40% that Auburn can win this game, even at home against the Florida Gators. Followed by the Tennessee Vols at number seven, currently at home for Auburn in Auburn Arena. Surprisingly, I'm giving Auburn a higher chance to win this one. There's a lot of emotions involved in this game. I know that there's been several seasons removed now for Coach Pearl from Tennessee, but there's always emotions tied to this game, and it's become a bit of a rivalry for Auburn and Tennessee uh, since he's gotten here. So with it being at home, I do raise that up a little bit, even against Tennessee, to 45% chance for Auburn to win. That is still in Tennessee's favor. and They look better than Auburn right now. But I think at home, Auburn gives them the best fight that they've had all season, unless Missouri does as well. And finally, we end on the road in Tuscaloosa. Uh, they are going to be hyped up for that one because they will be celebrating an Iron Bowl win. Hopefully not any other football trophies and things there as well. And I'm sure they will be celebrating the fact that they had, uh, they were able to, they, basically they'll be celebrating everything except the basketball team and there will be a lot of hype around it. And so I'm just going to say 50% at this point on the road. Um, I do think it would be a tough one for Auburn to win even against Alabama. Uh, but remember in this situation, I give the pushes in favor of Auburn. So what does that mean for the final conference record in my opinion? And that would be 13 and five. If I did my math right and everything there, that should be 13 and five where Auburn has a very respectable. And um, I think what would be a highly regarded record at the end of the year because overall that would push them to 19 and 7 on the year again if my math correct is correct and i hope that my math professors are not rolling over in their grave right now and just uh, rolling their eyes at me for all of the things that i probably didn't learn there but i believe that's 19 and 7 is what i would have uh, on the final record for auburn with a 13 and 5 sec uh, record at this point so if that holds true if I'm right, in a weird year where there's been some personnel issues, some probation issues, I think that's something that Auburn can take home to the bank and be very impressed with, with very young and a very talented team. Very quickly, let's look at the next game for Auburn. We've already talked about it a little bit. Arkansas at home. They're 8-0. The game will be at 6 p.m. Central Time this Wednesday, uh, December 30th. Your last game of 2020. You can watch it on ESPN2. Arkansas is coming off a win of Abilene Christian, 85-72. to 72. And we've talked a little bit about their record. Couldn't really write home about their, their wins. And then obviously no losses. So it's really hard to gauge how good they actually are. I do know that it will be a tough battle for Auburn for a very young team. And can they be the ones to ruin Arkansas's record first? I think they've got a really strong case to do it. 
I hope they can. Problem is, is they've got to face a seven foot three. They list him as a forward, but I'm sorry, when you're above seven foot, you're a center. <laughs> you may not be utilized that way, but you are a center at seven foot three. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about him in just a second. Players to watch for this game. Moses Moody, a freshman guard. Seems to be a little bit of a freshman phenom for the Arkansas Razorbacks. Scoring the most for them at 16.9 points per game. Also like to talk about who's the best rebounder there. And that's that seven foot three, quote unquote, forward. Uh, Connor Vanover, sophomore forward, 7.6 rebounds per game. So Auburn will get a good test against a very, very tall opponent and see how our bigs face up against theirs in their seven foot three tower. So those are your players to watch, the storylines to watch for in this game, Auburn versus Arkansas coming up next. We'd love to hear from you on what your expectations are about not only conference play, but for the rest of the season as well. Remember, there's a game, Big 12 SEC Challenge coming up in the middle of all that too. Let us know on social media, or you can even comment on this episode page on our website. Let us know your thoughts about that. That's all I have for you on this edition of Inside the Jungle. Until I talk to you again, War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?